Good morning. Um, we are here this morning with Kimberly DeStefano. She's an advocate at the Crisis Center for Central New Hampshire. Kim, you graduated from Assumption in 2016, and now you're working as an advocate for domestic violence here in New Hampshire. Was this kind of where you saw yourself getting into, getting into, you know, coming out of college, or kind of what was your vision for yourself, and here you are now? Good morning, Casey. Well, thank you for having me. Um, no, in short, this is not where I expected myself to be. Um, like you said, I graduated in 2016. Um, what I liked about my degree specifically was human services and rehab studies. I got like a basic knowledge of anything human services related. So I studied addiction, psychology, child adolescence, things like that. And then once I graduated, I could test the waters and go from there um, to see what I wanted to do. Um, so in short, no, this isn't where I expected to go. Um, before this though, I've worked with kids since I was just coming out of high school. Like I love working with teens. Um, and that's ultimately where I went after school. Um, I did a year of service and I went to California and worked with teens there. Um, and when I came back, I took a job as a youth minister and was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, this seems awesome. Um, and that coincided with, um, the sexual abuse crisis coming out in the Catholic Church. So when I started that role, all that was coming to light again. And I just some sort of little fire lit within me, like I'm protecting these kids. Like this isn't happening under my roof, um, things like that. And then from there, it kind of transitioned to this role. So for me, I like to say there's a lot of little things, a little signs along the way that kind of pointed me in this direction. So like a, working in the church in the time of the sex abuse crisis coming to light again, that was one thing. Um, but for me in college, when I was in college, there was um, a person on our floor in my senior year and they were in a mutually combative relationship. And I remember just always hearing the fights and being frustrated and not knowing what I can do or what resources there were out there to help um, this couple. And in that dynamic, actually, it was, um, the male was more so the victim and the female was more of the aggressor. Um, and especially for men, there's not many resources. So I remember trying to reach out to his friends and being like, Hey, like, what are we going to do? How can we help him? And they're like, no, we're not doing anything. Like it's his life. He can do like what he wants. And I remember being so frustrated there as well, being like, no, <laughs> obviously this isn't okay. Um, so that was kind of one of the signs. And then when I did my year of service, a roommate of mine was actually an advocate for a crisis center. So I got to hear about the work she was doing and I heard her getting up late at night to take crisis line phone calls. So um, getting that exposure as well, kind of all the little things. Um, so that's kind of how, for me, I, I came to realize it, it was more of an importance. Um, but then when I applied for my first job, so before this, I worked at a family justice center and I remember just seeing the job description and like getting like a spidey sense being like, Ooh, this <laughs> is exciting. <laughs> yeah. And well, cause that's how I've gone my whole life. Like I'm never like, Oh, I've wanted to do this. It's like, Oh, I, this is like my spidey sense. Like I need to pay attention. This, this feels awesome. Um, and that job, I loved it more cause it was coordination of services. So connecting clients with um, different services that they need and coordinating and case managing. And that was um, right in Manchester, right? Yep. That was in Manchester. Okay. Yeah. So that's 
for me, I got excited more so on the coordination, like being able to work with different partners, but also work with clients um, because I mastered in human services, but I also minored in business. So I like that idea of working business style, working with different partners. Um, so it just seems like honestly a perfect fit for me. And once I had that first interview with the director, I just knew she sounded amazing and the rest is history from there. <laughs> and so when you were working in Manchester, that was a really small operation, but there are a ton of different moving parts and organizations that work with you in order to basically transition a client from where they are through the whole cycle, right? Like, who are you engaging with on a daily basis at a, you know, working with at a crisis center to move those clients through and help them? Yeah. So in Manchester, it was a family justice center. And then where I'm at now is a crisis center. So what's the difference between the two? Yeah. So in Manchester, and Manchester was a little different. It, like you said, it was a small operation. Um, family justice centers in general, how they go, how they work is basically they coordinate all different services that a survivor would need and they put it under one roof. So they call it like a co-location of services. So Ideally, we'll say there's a family justice center in Stratford County in New Hampshire. They're a county program, so they're in a county building. So they have police officer on site, they have city welfare on site, um, they have legal assistance like right down the street, but the crisis center is in the justice center in Stratford County. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, whatever you need. So like San Diego is always huge. It's like I think it's a couple stories tall building and everything's within it. So there's a DV court, there's prosecutors, um, everything a victim might need in order to move through the system and get healing is under one roof. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, And of course, in like bigger cities like San Diego, they have the resources to do that. Mm -hmm. Manchester was different when it started. So Manchester was grant funded on a three-year cycle. So they had the grant for three years and then you had to reapply. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year there wasn't enough funds for that specific grant. So it wasn't, there wasn't funds to keep it going. Okay. Uh, Stratford County, why it's different is they're a county program. So they actually don't have to apply for grants. They just get county money and their existence isn't really questioned. Um, I think they have grants for different things, but um, so funding sources are also super important in order to make these um, programs run. So crisis centers, like where I'm at now, why they're different. Um, So justice centers are under like a family justice center alliance. So it's not like you can, anyone can create one across the country and they're under one name. Um, I think there's some in like UK and Ireland too. So it's like a worldwide thing. Um, Crisis centers are different. So in New Hampshire specifically, there's a coalition and everyone calls them like the mothership because they like have all the mini ships like go out across the state. So in New Hampshire, there's 13 crisis centers that cover all of New Hampshire. Um, And depending on where you live, you fall under each catchment and each crisis center is responsible. Um, And then the mothership, the coalition gives funding to all the different crisis centers, depending on um, location, how many like survivors you service um, and it's kind of doled out in that different way so justice centers more so run the funding is not quite sure it's like depending on how you start it up crisis centers from my understanding across the state there's a crisis center that is supposed to cover each catchment of each state across the country so two different funding um, things and two different structures but a little bit 
what it looks like. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. So now you're working in Concord at a crisis center and how has your role again changed from working, you know, in Manchester to working in Concord and you know, how, who are you serving now? Are you serving the same kinds of people or what kind of environment are you in now? It's a great question. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so being in a crisis center, it's, a little different. A lot of people are like, well, don't you do the same things? Like you're working with survivors of violence. Like, isn't it the same type of work? Um, I like to say no. I think they complement each other well. So crisis centers, hence kind of the name a little bit, work with those that are in immediate crisis. So for me being an advocate, we are working um, the crisis line. So there is a 24-7 crisis line if someone needs to call um, and needs help or something like that. There's um, emergency shelter. Um, there's like programs to help get an attorney if you have a restraining order hearing, and those happen usually pretty quickly. So it's all more so immediate needs that we're responding to and trying to connect services to. Um, with the Family Justice Center, it's more so um, case management um, and coordination. That's why we like to call it. And crisis centers are very confidential. So mm -hmm. in Manchester, it was me more so calling the attorney, calling the PD to set up an appointment for this client to come and meet um, in a crisis center. It's more so I'm giving you the information as a survivor, you need to make these calls and I'm here to support you. Like we have releases of information, but being a crisis center, it's really structured on the confidentiality um, and safety of it. Where more so a family justice center, you know, if a lot of people would probably know you're working there. Cause like I'm calling on their behalf, like, Hey, I'm going to bother you again. Like, okay. why are you calling my client back? Um, things like that. So a little bit different, um, and what they look like. I don't know if I fully answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but yeah. like what was interesting when I was thinking about it. So in Manchester though, like I'm, I'm in Concord now. So Manchester is a totally different demographic than Concord. So it's huge first off um, compared to Concord. But when, during the end of my time there, what was interesting is one challenge that I found was that neighbors were getting restraining orders out against each other. Really? Um, yeah, which, and it's a huge gap because I remember talking to one of the attorneys and being like, what does a person do then? Cause they're like, we don't cover that. Like we can't help with that. Like, and it just being a huge like issue and with housing being such an issue in Manchester, no one could just up and move oh. quickly. So they were trying to get restraining orders out on each other to at least set that barrier and that boundary. So that was something at the end of my time, I had a ton of people being like, okay, like they have a like restraining order out against me, against their neighbor. And I either need to leave, like I need to move because they have it because like with restraining orders, you can't be 300 feet within the other person or you can't be in the same house things like that so it was just really interesting how it was still survivors of violence but not really intimate partner violence as neighbor so it was just like and that's, that's an interesting something. component of it that i i would never have thought about honestly yeah yeah and then of course manchester's more um there's so many different languages in manchester so we were accessing language line a lot more um and working with different organizations um, based on the needs of that person in Concord, it's, there's not so much, um, an immigrant population there is, um, but it's not something I've seen personally in my time here so far. Um, yeah. 
Pretty. Now, here's the question. We'll bring it kind of relevant to what's going on now is how, I mean, you hear about it and you hear all of these things like, oh, we're, we've got to watch out for domestic violence now that everyone's in these stay in home orders and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But what exactly are you looking for? You know what I mean? Like it says, like, you hear all in the news, you know, well, you know, we expect domestic violence incidents to go up. Well, as a neighbor or as a friend or as a colleague where you may have had that connection with people for some accountability before, how do we go about like helping our fellow humans who could be in really difficult situations now? Yeah. And it's a great question. I know everyone's like talking about it, but that's the one thing that frustrates me is like, everyone's like, Oh, look out. And then like the sentence ends and you're like, okay, how, like, how do I help? Um, well, and personally on an advocate side, we were expecting calls and everything to just shoot up and increase. But what we're finding is actually, and with DCYF too, so DCYF reportings have gone down 50%. So hmm. the normal number of reports that DCYF gets, that's cut in half. Wow. And that's because teachers, social workers, people that are seeing kids in school right after an abusive incident or something like that can make those reports. Now kids aren't being seen um, by other people outside of the home. So those reports aren't being made. Similarly with survivors of violence, if you're in an abusive home and you're being abused, you can't leave to go make a phone call or you don't have that time at work where you can make the call and be like, hey, like I can't do this anymore. I need X, Y, Z. Um, so our numbers have cut also in half drastically. So for us on our end, we rolled out a chat option, which the National Domestic Violence Hotline, they have a hotline and a chat option. Um, but here in Concord, we rolled out a chat too. So you're chatting with actually one of us. Advocates during the day, if you decide to use that form of communication, and we rolled that out to try and cut down on the use of needing to call. But like, someone can send us a quick message, and if they exit out, the whole thing just wipes clean, so there's no trace of it um, oh. or the conversation on their under our end. So, and it, I, the big question that was confidentiality. So when someone pops up, it's just like a web number, like X Y two Z is on, and like, so they don't have to say their name, they don't have to say anything about them if they don't want to. So it kind of keeps that confidentiality still in play um, as well. But I mean, as like a neighbor, so things that we can look for, at least what I've, what I've been saying was kind of telltale signs. If you hear people yelling, throwing things, um, obviously signs of a dispute, um, looking at kids, if there's kids, um, at home if they're being left unattended. Um, of course, if people are lacking food, that's signs of child abuse and neglect. Um, again, it, it's really hard because people were not in each other's homes, but either just checking in too, like if you see someone outside being like, hey, how's it going? Like just, you know, you don't have to go in their home or like up next to them, but like doing your part to reach out or if you know that there's been domestics before in your building, just keeping an ear out or things like that. It's also, it's hard to leave like business cards. We never give people business cards because we don't know if it's safe. Like if um, someone is in an abusive relationship and the abuser finds the card on them or is always going through their stuff, like we just know leaving things isn't always safe mm -hmm. um, and could escalate violence. Um, but what we're encouraging more so is if you have questions, if people don't know what to do, to call us too. So we've gotten a lot of people like, Hey, I'm concerned about this person. Like, 
how can I help or what can I do? Um, are you an appropriate resource? Stuff like that. Okay. Um, what we're expecting though is after this for things to just take off. Once things um, have opened back up and people are going back to work or are actually ready to leave, um, I think our numbers are going to double than what they normally were. Um, and right now I think with COVID, everyone's really fearful of leaving because there's not really other options to go to. Like people aren't willing to take random people in. Mm -hmm. um, so I think housing's the big thing right now is letting people know that there are safe options and we can help provide safe options if you need to leave um, a home that's abusive. Um, we have funds to do hoteling, so we can put someone up in a hotel um, for an X amount of time if they we have to screen them in and make sure they're a proper fit. Um, but it's more so just letting people know like, hey, there's still, like, there's still help for you. There's still resources for you. Um, things like that. But it is, it is a little tricky because, you know, you just, we're just saying more so be alert, like be nosy. Like, hey, what's going <laughs> be on? Be that nosy neighbor. Yeah, now. <laughs> exactly. Like do it from like over your fence. Be like, hey, <laughs> hey, what's going on? I hear something going on. Um, so honestly, that's kind of, it's hard, but yeah. our one saving grace too is police officers are actually still responding to oh. any type of call or anything. So if you have a concern and don't feel safe going over, always just call the police and be like, Hey, I'm concerned. This is more so like a welfare check. Can you just go in and like mm -hmm. check things out and make sure they're okay? Cause police officers are still responding. So. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. I so appreciate you coming on and talking and kind of educating me and everyone who will be listening and watching on, you know, the domestic violence situation in New Hampshire and how we can be involved and be a positive influence on it. If you could give or five, say five tips on ways that we as a public can support organizations like yours, crisis centers, you know, domestic violence, what would those five things be? Sure. Um, first one, knowing the signs. So like we talked about, it's a little difficult to know the signs because we aren't really seeing other people and able to see the signs. Um, but knowing the signs of physical abuse, so looking for physical marks. Um, if someone is saying, oh, like my partner is being verbally abusive and always putting me down, um, telling me I'm stupid, things like that, that's a form of abuse. Um, emotional abuse, um, saying that they'll leave them or they're cheating on them, like doing things to like emotionally hurt someone and break that trust within a partnership where it's supposed to be like loving um, and supportive. Um, financially, if, so one of the other big things that came up is the stimulus check. If you had, if you filed jointly with your partner and it goes back into that joint account, some people don't have access to that anyway. And the abuser automatically is cashing that money and withholding that from that person anyway. Um, and especially if people aren't working right now, they aren't having money to stow away. Um, so if you have the means to donate your stimulus check to different places that are supporting survivors of violence, I don't know if um, there are programs that specifically like say like, oh, this family needs this or something like that, but you get what I'm saying. Um, Aside from looking for the signs is also knowing your resources. So we always recommend the uh, National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, they also have a chat option too. So how it works, and it's pretty cool. Um, so if you call the National Domestic Violence Hotline, they talk to you, but then they transfer you to your local crisis center. So if you don't know where you fall, 
they'll just, they'll figure it out for you and send you to your cl closest crisis center. So the coalition's the same. If you call the coalition number for New Hampshire, the service will figure out where you are and they'll kick you to the closest crisis center um, to work with someone. So you're working with a local person. Um, but for us in Concord at the Crisis Center of Central New Hampshire, we have the crisis hotline. And then, like I said, we have the chat option uh, and the text messaging option too, for us personally. Um, aside from knowing the resources, we also, like legislation's huge, um, not specifically during this time, but in general. So one of the ones specifically that just got passed through in regards to restraining orders is it's Jade's Law. And basically that is when a child needs a restraining order against like a family member that their parent can file for them. So teens can get restraining orders too against abusive partners or for stalking, things like that. But this um, law helps for kids that are younger and a parent wants to file on their behalf. So like say um, uncle is abusive, mom can file on behalf of the child so that uncle stays away or something like that. Okay. So that was a piece of legislation that was just passed. Um, for me, if there's one thing I could change legislation wise, um, it would be, um, fixing bail conditions. So right now, um, everyone can be released on bail and there's no kind of accountability in holding anyone unless they're just short of murdering someone. Um, so especially in abusive relationships, if someone gets arrested and they're released eight hours, um, after hurting someone, they're very bad, um, and going back to their victim who they're abusing. And, you know, then it just stops a victim from calling ever again um, and getting that help because they know their person, their abuser is just going to come back madder than ever and they're going to feel the brunt of that. So in my eyes, that would be the one thing I would love to change. But, you know, legislation's not easy and I don't know how to do it. So if anyone wants to take that from me, I'd appreciate <laughs> also it. also a plug for Kim yeah. that if you <laughs> want to join her on that mission, she's looking for help. <laughs> okay, you start and I'll just behind you my, my flag my rally flag um, <laughs> so aside from that um of course like everyone's like donations like always he doesn't love money yeah. um but specifically for example like gift cards so if you have gift cards to market basket or to walmart um and can donate those things we can give those to clients um or those that are in shelter for them to get food gas like whatever they need um means wise to help them on their path of healing aside from that or like donations specifically to the crisis center is there's been a lot or there was supposed to be a lot of events this month so april is actually sexual assault awareness month and there was supposed to be a lot of events to raise awareness and funds for the crisis centers um, but because of covid everything got canceled uh, but looking for kind of those fundraiser activities so this weekend and in particular it was supposed to be a i will survive series Mm -hmm. There were supposed to be speakers, and um, it was a three-day event, and that all got canceled. Um, so, for example, if you like beer, Litherman's Limited in Concord, they did a special brew with Revelstock, um, the coffee place in Concord, to make a specific beer called I Will Survive, and part of those funds go to the coalition. So, okay. like, little things like that, if you just like to go out and, like, you know. You're like, I can support kickback too. <laughs> Yeah, I can support beer. <laughs> awesome. Or like movies. Like we were supposed to, so the Concord Crisis Center was supposed to screen um, the movie Roll Red Roll, mm -hmm. not necessarily for like fundraising event, but more of like awareness. Okay. So now we can't do that. So little things like that that help bring awareness or like movies or books, things that really engage um, a person to understand. We always encourage, I personally always encourage that. Mm -hmm. um, 
one of the books I read and loved, and it was very um, eye-opening. I actually pulled it out so I could show you. <laughs> you um, <laughs> going there. <laughs> she is not giving me kickback for showing off her book, but <laughs> I liked it. So it's called No Visible Bruises. Okay. Um, <laughs> And it, so it actually mentions justice centers, crisis centers, things like that. It, it talks about from both perspectives, how people are helping um, to curb domestic violence. And then it also gets a perspective from like abusers standpoints and like why they abuse and things like that. So it's not, it really gives like a whole, a whole view approach of the domestic violence situation um, and scene. So that was four, um, the fourth one, the fifth one, especially during COVID, um, especially just being during COVID, like I said, just keeping an eye out, being nosy with your neighbors, um, you know, seeing, you know, it's hard, but like just right. keep, keeping them on the forefront. Like there's people being isolated in their homes, specifically in COVID, like we talk about with abusers, isolation is a common tactic. Um, like, no, I'm cutting you off from your family. No, stay home with the kids. Like, no, you don't get to work, things like that. Mm -hmm. And this virus is doing the job for an abuser. Like it's making his, his or her life so much easier mm -hmm. because we're not allowed to go out anyway. Yeah. Um, so we've seen that like, oh, he's not letting me out of the house because um, of the virus. Like he thinks I'll get sick. Or if I don't do what they're asking, then they will put me out um, and I could get the virus and then they won't let me back in, things like that. So it's, mm -hmm a whole new type of tactic that works to an abuser's advantage um, in regards to isolation. So just knowing that there's resources, like we're all still open, we're all working from home and we can't dispatch um, specifically. So usually we would go to the hospitals or courts um, to accompany people. Um, we're not doing that, but we still give phone advice and we're able to hotel people and talk about different ways we can support them. So just knowing that we're still open. <laughs> and I mean, even though we're, we are isolated, I'm sure if there's someone, you know, if you think of a coworker or there's someone that comes to mind as like, I wonder how they're doing, you know, like yeah. you still shoot a text or send a FaceTime or mail a card or, you know, do something to show that you're thinking about them or, you know, kind of making them maybe feel a little less isolated and, you know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's one of the interesting things I saw on Facebook and I don't check my, my messenger that much. So I'm not going to like, I know myself, I'm not going to offer this up as a safety option, but people have been posting about like makeup. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. if you're in an abusive relationship, message me that you want to buy makeup. If you need the police, send me your address. And like, mm -hmm. so there's different ways people are trying to work through the internet to support each other and a not direct way. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm not on my phone all the time. So my luck, someone would be like, I need help. And then I wouldn't get it for like five hours later. Um, right. But you know, right. So there's different people are trying to be creative. Um, you know, but yeah, yeah. Just, you know, shooting them a text. We're all a little lonely. So yeah. <laughs> checking in on people isn't a bad thing. <laughs> we all need support. <laughs> Well, thank you so much again. Like, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of do this with me and kind of talk about your line of work and, um, you know, talk about ways we can help. So thank you yeah. for spending your morning with me. Thank you. Well, and thank you for thinking of me because like everyone's saying, it's the topic of conversation right now, but no one really knows what to do about it or it's been talked about, but not really problem solved. So yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to ask me about it and, you know, see what kind of options there are 
for survivors and, and how you can get involved. Great. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for having me. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>